as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the sixfold Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot and today we've got um, we've got a mix of stuff for you. We've got uh, Mother's Day, which Andy will talk about in a second. We, uh, the kind of horror suspense movie, uh, Green Room, that was at Sundance this year. And Sing Street, which I know Andy's really excited about. Um, but before we get to our dessert, we have to have our vegetables first. So Andy, why don't you talk to us about uh, about the travesty that is Mother's Day. And not, yeah. um, not just the holiday, we love our moms. Um, trust me, I've got flowers in the way. Uh, but this is a movie that apparently, if you don't love your mom, you should take her to. Yes, if you love your mother, keep her as far away from this film as possible. Keep this movie away from every member of the human species. It is terrible. Someone needs to take Gary Marshall's uh, movie director card away from him. You're not allowed to make any more of these. Yeah, this, this is the third film in a series that Gary Marshall has done where he takes a holiday, the last two were Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve, and takes a bunch of interweaving stories that somehow, quote-unquote, form a cohesive narrative. And I use that term very Shame. loosely. Shame! And, uh, yeah, who cares? Um, this has a bunch of really great and talented people in it, and their talents are all wasted. The script is awful, it's boring, it's not funny, and if that weren't unforgivable enough, uh, it is It is bigoted, it is uh, racist, Shame. it is Shame. homophobic, it is uh, ableist, it is bigoted in so many other ways. Oh, and not that you can technically be racist towards white people, but it certainly reinforces a lot of prejudices about white people that, oh, you know, we're we're all bigoted as well. That just because you're from Texas and you live in a trailer park must mean you hate gay people. I tell you what. And just because you're a man, you must feel uncomfortable about buying tampons. So I don't care where you live, on the privilege scale, on the political ideology scale, this movie is making fun of you and people that you care about and saying awful, terrible things about them and no one should put up with this crap. It's awful. I, I giggled once in the entire film and this is supposed to be a comedy. I'm tired of people taking talented actors like Julia Roberts and giving them crap to work with. And every single person in this film was wasted. Two out of ten because still the actors in this are charming and trying to do as much as they can with a horrible situation. The best way I can sum up this movie is there's a situation where one of the characters says, I don't understand that joke, but it sounds a little racist. That's what this movie is. Two out of ten. Don't go see it. Yeah, actually, I dodged a bullet in this one. I was going to go, uh, and then I had to go to the bank and get some paperwork uh, submitted for um, 
hopefully for a loan, we'll be getting soon to buy a house. So uh, thank you for taking that bullet for me and <laughs> writing it up so I didn't feel bad about not seeing it. because Adam, the, the <laughs> process of purchasing a home is one of the most miserable and convoluted processes known to man. And I would rather deal with mortgage and loan documents than have to sit through Mother's Day again. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh. Yep. Um, well, thankfully, there were some good movies that came out this week. Um, yes, very good yes. movies. So I was I was going to go, I had the choice to go see uh, Keanu this morning, I was going to so we could talk about it, and then I remember that Green Room came out, and it was one of the ones that, that uh, we saw that was up at Sundance that I just didn't get a chance to see, um, so I was kind of annoyed by that because I, I really wanted to see it, it sounded like an interesting idea. So I said, screw it, I'm going to go see Green Room so we have something more to talk about. Uh, I am ever, ever so thankful um, I did out. This movie is fantastic, but I'll just kind of give you a, a kind of a brief uh, wrap-up of it. Uh, it stars Anton Yelchin, uh, who we know from uh, both Fright Night and uh, Star Trek. Uh, he and his, his friends are in a punk rock band. Uh, they're barely making do. Like they're on tour, but they're just barely getting enough money for gas to make it from show to show. Uh, this one show, the, uh, this, the guy they know is promoting them. Uh, it's a bust. They make like 10 bucks, And he's like, no, no, I, I got a gig for you guys. Uh, it involves some skinheads. Are you guys cool with that? And like, I'm like, hey, as long as they're cool with us, we don't care. Um, so, but it's guaranteed 350 bucks. So desperate for money, they go to this, uh, this kind of like warehouse out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, a bunch of skinheads are there. They play their show. Um, they're about ready to leave when one of the band members realizes, oh, I left my, uh, my cell phone in the green room. Well, she goes in there with the band that's coming on next and find out that their lead singer has murdered a girl. So now they're stuck there. They call the police. Uh, they get trapped in the room because they called the police. Now the, the skinheads have to deal with them um, and now deal with this band. And uh, also stars uh, Patrick Stewart in uh, the role as Darcy Banger, who's kind of the guy who owns the, the warehouse and is kind of the head of all these skinhead guys. Uh, and it's I've never seen Patrick Stewart really do much of like a bad guy role. And he is just absolutely fantastic. He's menacing. He's evil. Uh, but at the same time, he's not like the maniacal evil. He's the very cold and calculating. Uh, so it was really great to see him in such a different type of role. Uh, so he comes in to pretty much get rid of them and the evidence. And the movie turns almost into a horror film. Not in the sense that it's scary, because it's not scary at all. It is very, very bloody, very violent. Uh, it's a, a fantastic uh, practical effects for some of like, the, the, the blood and gore stuff. Uh, but it goes to where they're trying to escape and they're being picked off one by one by these, these skinheads. Uh, and it comes down to, like, you know, of course, like the final two, like you always have in a horror film and trying to get away. Uh, this movie is... I look at a film and I always judge it by what would I do differently? If I was in charge of making this or, you know, what could I have changed? There really isn't anything here. I mean, it's an hour and a half long. It's perfect length. Uh, there's no padding on this. I mean, this is, you know, lean as can be. Every single scene, every single shot is right where you want it to be. Um, Anton Yelchin is great. He's perfectly believable as this kid who's kind of stuck in a bad situation. Um, he's joined by Imogen Poots, who he was uh, co-starred with in the Fright Night remake. Uh, she's kind of one of the ones trying to help. Uh, she's not part of the band, but she's trying to get out with them. Um, yeah, and then Patrick Stewart, like I said, he's just so phenomenal in this. He's um, evil, he's calculating, he's ruthless, and... You know, as much as he's the bad guy, you just every time he's on the screen, he just brings this gravitas, and it's so much fun to see him up there. Uh, but yeah, very well written, incredibly well acted. The cinematography is great. Uh, it's I've not been this tense in a movie uh, since I can't even think. I mean, 
I think like watching Jurassic Park when I was 13 was the last time I was this much on the edge of my seat. Uh, again, it's a small release. It just kind of uh, broke out into more uh, theaters, so it should be playing near you. Uh, obviously, next week we've got Captain uh, Captain America Civil War coming up. That's going to be the big go-to. But if you want to see something different and you want to see something that's going to blow you away, absolutely go see Green Room. Uh, it's fantastic. I got to give it a 10. I absolutely love this movie. That's awesome. It's so good when when a film can just kind of come out of nowhere and satisfy all of your needs and your wants. Uh, Adam, what about people who maybe aren't like big horror fans? Or is this something that they'd be interested in? Or do you think this is like maybe too intense for people who aren't good with gore and, and tension? It, it's, it plays out like a horror film, but it's definitely not uh, in the sense that there's no jump scares. You're not going to have the boogeyman pop out and attack you. Uh, but yes, it is very gory. Uh, there's a, a very intense scene of someone using a, a box cutter up someone's torso. Uh, and let's just say, again, it plays out like a horror film, the way people get picked off and you know the way they shoot it. But it's definitely, it plays out very well. I mean, we were there, it was like, I think maybe 10 people in the audience because it was a 10 a.m. showing. And everyone, myself included, like gasped when, ooh! So it's... Great practical effects. Uh, so yeah, if you're squeamish, probably not the movie for you. Uh, but if you can handle suspense and thrills and, um, and again, the gore, great for that. Again, it plays out like a horror film, the way people get picked off and, you know, the way they shoot it. But it's definitely not full of jump scares. It's not a scary movie. Um, but it is very, very graphic. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to go check that out because... That's that's always my complaint with horror films is I'm just like, just I don't need like the jump scares and like things jumping out at me. Like, give me a story. Mm-hmm. Like that that's what I want. And I thought that there was a movie that came out. Oh, was it last year or the year before that? Called Your Next. Did you ever see that? Um, Ed, I I saw it with Eddie. He he liked it a lot. Uh, what I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I need to sit down and actually watch it all the way through. Yeah, so I, I mean, that that was another example of something that I think did that really well, where it was it was all about the story. Like, the bad guys break into, uh, it, it starts off kind of like it's the last house on the left, but the twist is that the murderer is actually already in the house amongst this party of people and starts picking off uh, the guys who, who broke in. And... You know, it, it was a good take on that, and I'm always I'm always happy to see when there is some sort of uh, fresh take on th- those traditional horror tropes. So really glad to hear that. I'm going to go check this out. And it's cool too because it's it's a very very simple story. I mean, you know, so they see someone get murdered, they call the cops, they're trying to escape, and the bad guys are trying to keep them from escaping and saying what they saw. So it's very straightforward. There's no like, oh, we gotcha kind of twist at the end. Um, it's just, it's a very, very well done thriller slash horror movie, and you don't get those too many more. Most times things rely on a gimmick or on, you know, the, you know, trying to be smarter than the audience, and this one just lets you go with it, and it's an enjoyable time. It's it's a, a very tense time. Like, I got out and had to stretch a bit because I had a kink in my neck from, like, leaning forward and just being all in it, but uh, I was surprised how much I liked this. It was, it's one now that I'm kicking myself for not seeing... You know, three months ago at Sundance when I had the chance. Um, but, you know, you never know. Some movies pick up buzz after the festival's over, and you got to catch them in theaters. 
it's it's great that we're now getting some of those Sundance films. Uh, another one of those that played at Sundance uh, and also played at South by Southwest, and I missed it there, and was uh, the number one film I was sad I missed, um, but is now coming out in theaters, is Sing Street. Uh, this is director John Carney's follow-up to Begin Again, uh, which was my second favorite movie of 2014. Okay, quick game, Adam. Let's see how well you know me. What was my number one favorite movie of 2014? Uh, American Sniper. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh god um i can remember that year now because it was so long ago uh um, here's here's a hint it's sequel is coming out this week oh it was uh winter soldier yeah winter soldier winter yeah, soldier right. was my number one and uh begin again was right right there behind it uh john carney also did once uh which if you're familiar with either the film or the stage play uh he wrote and directed that and this is his <laughs> This is what he does. He takes movies about music, musical artists. Uh, they write a bunch of original songs that get woven into the storyline and uh, presents mm-hmm. these great stories. Also, like these other films, Sing Street is a love story. Uh, this is the story of young Connor, uh, who is 15 years old in Dublin in 1985. And uh, facing... A lot of uh, financial, uh, facing a terrible financial crisis in Ireland at the time. Uh, His family is trying to cut back on expenses. Mm -hmm. They say, we're taking you out of your nice school and you have to go to this new school, the Sing Street Academy. And uh, when there, he's immediately faced with bullies, uh, with abusive headmasters and having no friends. Um, he starts meeting people, meeting new friends, and uh, his first day there, he notices a girl who is standing on the steps outside her house across the street. And he's like, hey, who's that girl? I'm like, we don't know. No one knows who she is, but she's always standing out there. And so he goes up to talk to her and he's like, hey, what's going on? Uh, tell me about yourself. And she says, oh, I'm a model. And he's like, oh, really? That's perfect. Uh, my band is shooting a music video and we need a model to be in it. Oh, really? You have a band? Oh, yeah, we've we've got a band. So he goes back to his friends and says, we need to form a band. And uh, they need to write a song and make a music video. So uh, that's the beginning of their story. And it's that classic story of boy meets girl, boy forms rock band to impress girl. And uh, things go from there. And, and his relationship with his bandmates develop. And they start recording more and more music, a lot of which is, of course, inspired by this girl. Their relationship uh, deepens, and um, it just goes a lot of different places, uh, none of which are incredibly unexpected, um, but it's, it's a really great ride. If I have anything bad to say about this film, uh, it's the beginning and the end. The beginning takes a little while for it to start out of course you got to put the band together you've got to explain everything all of that takes a little while but it picks up after the first 15 20 minutes uh once they've actually formed the band and they go out and they start shooting their first music video it gets really really fun uh for the next hour completely 
And then the last 10 minutes kind of takes a weird twist, which I can't talk about without being super spoilery, but I was left unsatisfied by the ending. Uh, the director, in an interview with The Verge, also said he was unsatisfied with the ending and wish he could go back and redo it. So I'm glad that it wasn't just me. <laughs> um, because I'm like, oh, I kind of didn't like that ending. Um, I love the rest of the movie so much, though, that I was just like, you know, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And uh, the journey is great. And immediately after walking out of the theater, I got on my phone and downloaded the soundtrack, and I've been listening to it non-stop. It's this. Gr oh yeah, you've been talking about this the last since the moment you saw it. You've been you've had this soundtrack stuck yeah, in your it's, head. it's it's amazing. It's it's a great mix of classic '80s music and the original songs from the film. And uh, the great thing that they do is as the film's moving along, the um, Connor's older brother is kind of his Obi-Wan, his mentor, teaching him about rock and roll music. And uh, this really speaks to me because I, I feel like this is a very like universal thing. Like all of us had an older sibling, maybe a cool uncle or aunt or friend or, or someone who was letting us into like, oh yeah, you know, here's the really cool stuff that's going on. And I had one of those growing up who was like, this is the cure. This is Depeche Mode. Um, this is this is alternative music. It's not just, you know, what you hear on the radio. And I loved it. And it was great. Um, so Connor has his older brother who's doing all of these things. And it's really funny to take these songs as he listens to them and then hear how the songs that the band comes up with are just ripping those songs right off um one of the best songs in the entire movie and uh, the best shot sequences in the entire movie they're doing this song called drive it like you stole it and uh he kind of goes into this dream sequence where he explains what he wants the music video to look like and obviously they don't have the equipment or the set or the costumes uh to pull this off but in his dream sequence, he's seeing like the music video as it goes in his head. And it's shot in this beautiful technicolor while the rest of the movie is in really like drab earth tones. And um, they totally just rip the song off of Hall & Oates' Maneater. And it's so funny because they, it's, uh, they do that all the time. Uh, so if you're a fan of kind of mid-80s, uh, alternative music and uh, and just a fan of like good heartwarming tales of adolescence in music I can't recommend Sing Street enough it's it's just a really fun film it's gorgeous uh, lots of feelings in there and uh, I mean I I texted Brooke right after we we got out of this I'm like they should have just renamed this the Andy Wilson story because so much of this resonated with me of what it was like growing up and going through high school and being so in love with music and uh, and being in bands and having those relationships and uh, using the band and music to try and get girls and impress girls, which, which worked once or twice. So um, 
that was always great. But, uh, you know, this is just a, a great film uh, with a couple of problems, as I said. Um, but I'm, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10 because uh, other than those, it was, it was just really great. Nice. I'm really excited to see this one. Um, they didn't screen it for some reason, but I've loved his other stuff. I've, Once is one of my favorite movies. Uh, the stage production is actually the, the my favorite stage show ever. And I mean, it's it's not grandiose. It's not all about spectacle. Just a wonderful story with amazing music. Uh, Begin Again is also up there. Uh, so definitely excited for this one, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did because that means I will probably like it too. <laughs> Yeah, and and the other great thing, he got all of these uh, great performances out of complete unknowns. Like, most of the cast, especially the kids, you've never heard of any of them. Uh, the two adults in the movie, his parents, um, are, are somewhat known actors. You've got the guy who plays Littlefinger from Game of Thrones uh, as his dad, but he's barely in it. Uh, so it's, it's really great. Um, what what Carney's able to do like pulling these performances out of you know kids with with not a ton of experience or uh maybe that's a problem with this film is that they might have a hard time selling it because at least with begin again you could be like oh it was Mark Ruffalo and uh Kira Knightley in it and and people will want to go see that not that begin again was a huge box office success but I think it was you know, maybe a little more palatable and marketable than this immediately. Cool. Well, again, something to look forward to, and um, I'm glad that overall this week we had had more good than bad. Uh, but actually, coming up this week, aside from Civil War, is Mother's Day, and you know, like we said, if you love your mom, don't take her to see the movie. Um, but Andy had the great idea of talking about some of our favorite movies um, that have really cool um, maternal or motherly characters, uh, and maybe not always. A good mom could be a bad mom. <laughs> uh, yep. But Andy, what did you come up with? I know you were kind of going back and forth between a few of them. I was. I mean, I, I, I almost wanted to do Mommy Dearest because she's the ultimate in terrible mothers, and you know, no wire hangers. That's uh, just no it's such a such a great. Wire thing. What's wire hangers doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? What's wire hangers doing in this closet? Answer me! Tina! Bring me the axe! Yeah, uh, so who I went with though, uh, and this is a little bit of a stretch, maybe not a mother in the traditional sense but Ripley from the Alien movies, uh, specifically the second one, Aliens. And um, the, the interesting thing about uh, at least the first few Alien movies are the, especially the first one, there's a lot in that film that is essentially symbolic of fears of rape. And you see what the alien does uh, with as a face sucker with uh, a an alien child bursting forth out of your chest um, as a consequence of this. Um, there's a lot in there that's very scary and uh, so there there's always been very sexual overtones to 
uh, the Alien franchise, at least in the good films. And um, Ripley, as the only woman among this all-male crew, uh, gets to be the badass, which is cool. Then you take it into the second movie, and uh, she's trying to save this little child, Newt. And she forms this, like, strange... Uh, there's almost like a nuclear family bond uh, at the end uh, with the three survivors uh, who are trying to get away. And um, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley definitely feels very maternal and uh, protective of Newt. And that that final scene, that final showdown with uh, with the alien queen, uh, get, get away, away from, from her, her, you bitch. bitch. I mean, that is just, that's one of like the greatest lines in in modern movie history and um, indicative of, you know, where she is. And, and so I just want to give a big shout out to Ripley um, for all of the people who are moms, who are maybe not exactly moms. Maybe we've got, um, we have other maternal figures in our lives who are caretakers and who, uh, watch out for us and a uh, big salute to them and of course to to our actual mothers so uh, thanks to all of our moms for that yeah I, I actually went a little more lighthearted um, but yeah it, the alien more lighthearted than aliens right does that exist uh, no I, I Ripley's always been a very you know not only one of the first really badass strong female characters uh, especially like in a sci-fi film which is even to this day, is very heavily male-dominated. Um, but she, she proves that you can... You know, I, I think we were talking with Brooke one time about the fact that, you know, Hollywood seems to think that to be a strong female character, you can only be a badass. You can only be a furiosa. And this isn't talking crap on Mad Max and um, the portrayal of, you know, Charlize Theron as uh, furiosa and that. But yeah. that being maternal and having tenderness and sweetness is just as much of being a strong female as it is being a badass. Um, and so I, I love the fact that with Sony we were here, we get to see both sides, where she can go out there and she can kick the alien's ass and, you know, blow it out the airlock, uh, and then the next moment, you know, take care of a, a small, frightened child that doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. So, uh, And that's what was so amazing with that. Yeah. And again, this is John Cameron doing good work, so, you know, let's do some more of that. We don't need four more avatars. Let's do some more alien stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, I yeah, I went a little bit more lighthearted. I chose Freaky Friday. Uh, it was the remake from 2003, which I can't believe that was 13 years ago, uh, starring Lindsay Lohan back when she actually had a career and was talented, uh, and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's kind of funny we, you know, we talk about uh, strong woman. Obviously, she got her start as the screen queen with Halloween. Um, it's a really you know, Tales Old as Time type thing. Uh, it's a remake. Uh, I think it was, it was a Haley Mills did it originally for Disney back yeah. in the 60s. Uh, yep. It's a mom and a teenage daughter. They don't get along. They butt heads. And uh, in this take, it's uh, they go to a, a Chinese restaurant and they both snap open a fortune cookie wishing that the other one would understand them. And boom, they trade bodies. So we now have Jamie Lee Curtis as the adult is acting like the teenager because she's got the psyche of Lindsay Lohan inside of her. And Lindsay Lohan's over here, you know, as a teenager acting like the mom. Um, the reason why this movie is so much fun and it works so well um, is because Jamie Lee Curtis is absolutely having the time of her life acting like a 16-year-old girl. 
Um, and you can just, the, I can only imagine how much laughter, how much fun they must have had, you know, after they yelled cut, because she is just hamming it up, having a great time. Um, Lindsay Lohan, again, this is we, this is why we loved Lindsay Lohan back then, because she was a good actress. Um, and it's, it is sad that she just, you know, made some decisions that took her um, down a road that kind of ended her career. You know, or Drugs. You know, drugs and everything else. Um, so yeah, this is, it's slight, it's fluff, it's funny, it's predictable. Um, as, a, as far as a movie goes, it's not that great of a movie. It's definitely something fun. I don't know any single mom who doesn't like this movie. So if you want to sit down and have a good time and have a few laughs uh, this week or coming weekend, uh, you can't do much better than a Freaky Friday. Yeah, that's that's really cute because that's definitely not... I mean, I listed off like 10 movies that I immediately thought of when I thought of moms, and Freaky Friday was not in there. But I, I completely agree with you that um, Jamie Lee Curtis has a enormously good time in that film and it's hey it's it's fun and you know i'm getting pretty close to having a teenage daughter myself just a couple more years and i'm not looking forward Mm -hmm. to that so maybe we can enjoy freaky friday like before that happens (laughs) so all right well that'll wrap it up for this week with bored as hell uh the big thing coming up is is civil war uh that's all it's going to be for next week so captain america civil war uh, we've already told you if we're Team Cap or if we're Team Iron Man, uh, but I know we're both really excited to see this uh, and share our thoughts with you. So until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Team Cap. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. 